0: are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we start this one saying that the intended audience is everybody. And today we'll be speaking with our special guest, Dr. Ken Bridgman, on what his role is in pharmacy technology and informatics. So thank you so much for taking some time to be on the podcast, Ken. How are you doing today? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks, Tony. Awesome, awesome. So uh, I know that you kind of work in the health system, but you also had some additional education and background. So before we get started, can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, so I started going to pharmacy school quite a few years ago. And during pharmacy school, I kind of got interested in informatics. Uh, I did a lot of medical missions trips to different countries. And one of those, I'd stay up late because I was studying. It was during school, and the, the people asked me if I could help them assess some data they were collecting on a clean water project. We were able to kind of show that their clean water project wasn't doing anything, uh, figure out why it wasn't working, and implement a fix just by doing some data analytics. So I kind of went back to the States with that. and. Got interested in informatics and started taking courses and really found out that it kind of complements pharmacy. It gives you two really widely different skill sets that, you know, kind of set you apart from other pharmacy students. So I ended up getting my master's of health informatics while I finished my PharmD. And then I did a residency after that, just a PGY1 at Mercy Hospital. It's part of the health system I work at now. I was able to, during that, kind of use IT and the informatics and data analytics side to do a lot of my projects. It saved me a ton of time in not doing chart review. I was able to show some kind of benefit and then, you know, position approved for me to do this stuff after my residency at the health system.
0: So Awesome. So uh, just to kind of clarify, so you actually got interested in informatics, was it, you said, during pharmacy school?
1: Yeah, yeah. So during pharmacy school, we had a few groups that did like medical mission trips where you'd go and set up a clinic, you know, in Guatemala or, or Haiti or somewhere. Um, So I did a lot of those. And one of them, it was during school, I was doing this. So I'd have to, you know, during the nights when I was on this trip, I'd run to a coffee shop and download lectures, my chemo lectures and watch them. Uh, So I'd be up late late all night. And one of the times uh, their, the trip lead was looking at some data that they had on the clean water project and uh, they were an older trip lead, so weren't really familiar with Excel. So she asked if I could help and we sat down and looked at it and found out that, you know, their clean water project wasn't getting the outcomes that they wanted. And with that, we were able to go back and figure out why, what was going wrong with it and then make changes. And the next time clinic came around, we were able to decreased diarrhea in this community by like ninety percent. So it really showed me the power of data and kind of, you know, analyzing and making sure what you're doing is actually getting the impact you want. Otherwise they're just throwing money uh, or they would have been throwing money away and thinking they were doing good, but really not helping anybody. Wow. That got me interested in the analytics and informatics side of things. So go went back and figured out how I could get some more experience in
0: that. Wow. So that's that's really cool that you were able to kind of like see that from the project that you're doing outside of the States. And so just to clarify too, you got your master while you were doing uh, pharmacy school,
1: yeah, I was able to shift some of my electives into the Masters of Informatics program, the ones that overline and then just do a little extra coursework and get it, you know, at the
0: same time. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. How were you able to like manage the uh, the course load for that?
1: Um, I think it's a you know, informatics and pharmacy are a little different. So I'd say they, on general, the informatics courses were probably a little easier. It's not quite as much memorization. Maybe some of the programming courses took some time, uh, definitely towards the end when you had projects due. But that, that kind of made it easy, a little easier to do since it was more kind of theory based and, and, you know, just presenting topics and learning about new topics for like pharmacy school, you know, like sit down and just memorize all these mechanism actions and drug dosing and what these categories are and the treatment guidelines. So I think that. You know, it's not it's not quite as intimidating as maybe a lot of people think.
0: Wow. OK, so so I guess when you did your PGY1 uh, residency, did you actually get opportunities to use that information on uh, data analytics to help with, the, I don't know, maybe your residency project for that year?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. I was able to do a lot of residency projects. I was able to get in with our IS department and get access to our uh, Epic database for all the, the data that Epic stores is. Um, so then I could use SQL to query all that out. Uh, just made it, you know, I think it made it a lot easier during my residency. Uh, cause- A lot of my co-residents would have to sit down and do 40, 50, 100 hours of chart review to get the information, where I could sit down and write a query and, you know, get it in two or three hours. So it was extremely beneficial during residency to have that background and that skill set.
0: Yeah, and I I guess the other thing, too, is that I always talk to uh, a lot of students who ask me, you know, what do they, what kind of, like, skill set do they need to know if they want to get into informatics? And they they usually ask about programming, too. And I always say, programming is not required, but if you have to pick, like, one thing, like, SQL is probably the best because it's, yeah, it's like just pulling all that data. And even like, for example, for you, right, you are not even doing, if informatics Pharmacists do these yet, but even in your residency, you you had so much uh, benefit from knowing SQL.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'd agree. I mean, I think, you know, anything you can learn outside the normal pharmacy skill set will make you kind of unique. You know, everyone kind of graduates pharmacy school and maybe even goes into residency pretty close to the same level, probably. So any any experience or skill sets you have outside of that will just, you know, make you that much stronger as a candidate or that much stronger as a pharmacist going forward. Maybe just as a general belief of mine, I, I believe that a lot of innovation and, and creativity happens when you have multiple skill sets and combine them. You know, they kind of talk about or I've heard that like... Steve Jobs took a random class in calligraphy, and that's what made all of our TypeScripts available now. Uh, they were kind of the ones who pushed that out, but it was just this random class that he took uh, that gave him an experience that was different than most programmers or computer scientists, and that he was able to create something new out of it. I don't know how much that's true, but what I've heard
0: or read. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of makes sense because it's all your experiences that, uh, you know, make you who you are and then make you, you know, um, a lot of your contributions to the field are related to your own experiences. So, so yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, so, you know, for your uh, residency afterwards, uh, you were able to get a role in informatics. And I was curious about, like, I guess you had a unique experience of being a resident at the institution, then continuing on as an informatics pharmacist at the same institution. So so twofold, right? So one is you already have experience there in operations uh, because you were at that institution. And the second is you had a residency trained uh, aptitude. So can you kind of describe how those two things were able to help you to become like a successful informatics pharmacist?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of informatics, pharmacists, it's kind of tough, maybe not tough to get into the area, but definitely to feel comfortable in the area. And doing projects is is a great way to do that, you know, build your resume, build skill sets that you can talk to people about to introduce you to new things that you'll need to learn. So as a resident, you know, I was able to direct a lot of my projects that way. And that way, when I was able, you know, to apply for the job, I had a list of projects that I completed and, and all the skills that they gave me. I'm going to be able to talk about those. But doing a residency is a great way to build those kind of things because so much of your residency will be focused on different projects and implementing different things the place you work.
0: Okay, cool, cool. So, so for your uh, residency, your first year of residency, did you actually get some uh, uh, any elective kind of rotations that were related to informatics, or did you kind of just apply your informatics knowledge to your specific residency projects?
1: Mostly, just applied my. Uh, informatics skills from the masters into the residency projects I did. You know, and some of my, you know, we had a list of projects, so I tried to choose the ones that I knew would be a little more informatics heavy that I could do it. So, you know, we did one where we assessed all of our opiate prescribing, you know, looking across our whole organization. So to me, that seemed like an easy one to look at opiate orders and get all the data on that from a very analytics perspective or, or skill set um, or some projects maybe aren't as much uh, related to it so i try to do avoid those
0: oh okay so you're kind of just choosing the projects that was able to leverage your skill set that's that's really cool so so now you're an informatics pharmacist and you know every every informatics pharmacist i've spoken with does something a little bit different so um, i was wondering like for your role like what's your kind of like main thing in you as a as an informatics pharmacist
1: really i pretty general just to help with, you know, data analytics in the pharmacy realm. Now we our health system's pretty big, so it spans a lot of different things. Like we started an MTM program and we built a, you know, identification and stratification tools that are semi-predictive analytics tool to help identify patients that we should be reaching out to and seeing the ones that we're going to get the most bang for our effort and seeing them. Definitely in our value contract world, I do a lot of reporting for specialty just since that's so um, heavy in reporting requirements for like your accreditation. We do a lot of stuff with 340B. I'm really just working with our vendor and getting information uh, to help kind of automate our 340B system as much as possible. I do a lot of just kind of ad hoc data requests, which takes up a decent chunk of my time. So, you know, someone wants to look at a new drug that came out in the OR and how our patients are doing on it or how we're using it, and I'll kind of run the analysis on that and get that back to them. Uh, so it's pretty broad. We, we did implemented online billing for our patients. So that was kind of a lot of software engineering and getting systems to work that are, would work within our thing and get it to our vendor who posts them online for us, as well as go through a bunch of logic that we need to do to make sure that the bills we're putting up our line are appropriate to go online. Uh, so there's some software engineering on that side. So it can kind of be anything, everything, as long as data is involved.
0: Wow. Sounds like a lot of things. And how do you kind of manage all those tasks? Like, what is your current day-to-day like? Is there is there like a routine you go through where you triage things or is it kind of like as they come? Like, how does that work?
1: Um, That's probably an area where I could definitely improve as a time management. And I thought I learned it pretty well as a resident. But when I get into this I'm kind of more expanded role and I add more requests, it was a little difficult. So I do have kind of higher priority projects that are executive pharmacy team, you know, all of our directors kind of choose and tell me what to work on. And I always try to just leave a little bit of time off just for some of those smaller requests that come through. You know, some of the smaller ones I don't get to for a long time. So I just try to be upfront about that and say, you know, it'll take me a couple months to get back to you. You know, if, you, if that doesn't work, then here's some other options on trying to get that information. But it's really just, I think, setting expectations and trying to, to meet those.
0: Oh, okay. That's kind of similar to, to me too. Like there's just so many requests coming in. It's like that, the whole issue of prioritizing too. So I was also wondering too, since you do a lot of the data like queries and analysis, this is more like a technical thing, like a technical question, but have you been involved with actually building custom tables within the SQL database?
1: Yeah, so we have an enterprise data warehouse. So I work that's one of the things I work quite a bit with, building tables in there and even pulling information from outside our health system in there and getting that information in there. So like RX Norms, not something we were digesting before I got it. Uh, a lot of our invoice data wasn't in there. Um, so really working with our, our enterprise data warehouse team to set up those pipelines to get that information. Uh, we do a lot of web scraping, so web scraping from RxNav, web scraping from our 340, 340B vendor as well as uh, like FedEx and some other people that we use how to set up processes and bring that data into our data warehouse so we can use it in analytics and direct our work across the health system.
0: Oh, okay. So I guess this is another technical question, but for the web scraping, is that something that you also program? Is that like a specific language or is that like you use a vendor to do the web scraping? How does that kind of work?
1: Uh, No, that's mostly up to me. It's an area that we're getting into more and more. Definitely as more companies come up with different APIs, web-based APIs. Uh, So I love it when they have web-based APIs, but sometimes they don't. and you have to go through different uh, just, you know, brute force HTML kind of reading. I I like to do Python with that. Uh, R is another great language to use for it, but I find that Python really has a wide base of application. So because of that, they have like their own web framework called the Django. And people built up the Django. They added a bunch of packages to do different web management stuff. One of them is scraping. So uh, there's a tool called like Selenium. That allows you to run headless browsers, so more or less it's like a person uh, going to a web page and doing it, but instead of a person, it's a machine. Uh, That's something that's used really commonly in web development, so you can test your web pages after you make a change. um, But you can slightly tweak it and use it for web scraping, um, pretty much get anything you want with that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So <laughs> the reason why I ask is that right now what uh, we're using over at my place is that we're using a, a different like vendor to do web scraping. And what I'm, I would like to do is eventually get that into Python. So we, we use web scraping not for the data analytics side, but to trigger, you know, when we see a Pixis go on override in our, our Pixis like ES main screen, it says like override number change. We're trying to scrape that number so that. If it changes, it will send a notification because that's more like a passive thing that we have where uh, when we do the web scraping, we can make it more like an active thing, you you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's really, you know, unfortunately, a lot of vendors, you got to end up doing some of that stuff yourself. We use it for a lot of that too. So we, you know, we have like, 340 D is a large thing where we send data to a vendor and they kind of store it and manipulate it. And they don't really quite have all the features we want. So we like to pull that data back out of their system after they've aggregated it and then kind of feed it into our inventory uh, management and our buyers and different people who need it. Yeah, the Python is definitely a great language to do that. They have many options. You'll definitely run across the request package and the Selenium package anytime you get into web scraping with
0: Python, but sounds pretty doable. Thanks for suggesting that I'm going to look into those specific uh, packages. So yeah, so so going back onto uh, the data warehousing thing, I I was curious about like your process. How do you determine like, do you go through a a preset process of determining what information will be needed to be entered in a data warehouse? How many tables you'll need for that uh, set of information? Like, how does that work for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, usually it's a lot of the projects I work on and I make specific requests for that um, versus, you know, doing it across the whole organization and managing that. We have a team that does that. So I actually set up my own uh, Postgres database because it's open source. So I am able to get it for free on my own, you know, my laptop or the desktop that my computer or my health system gave me. And with that, I can always just run, you know, kind of like I could use it as a development environment. So I can bring in data, test it. If it doesn't work out then I know I don't need it, I can try and bring in other data and test that for the solution. And then once I find the solution that works, then I actually go to the EDW team and just kind of have a mimic how I was getting that data in uh, to my own database that I run to the the company-wide database. That saves me a lot of time because I don't have to go through all the, you know, Processes and, and the committees that to get that stuff approved those changes. So it makes it a little faster, more agile in the development of some solutions.
0: That's pretty cool. So going back to, I guess, your education, right? So you do, you do all this like electronic data warehousing, a lot of data analytics. And in terms of like your education, you have a master's, you've done the certificate for ASHP, and you've done like the, the CA hymns. And I was curious about like, you know, how each of those elements that you've done, how did they kind of contribute to your overall knowledge on how you're working today?
1: You know, I think getting the technical skills was definitely far from the master's. That's where I got that. I had a few courses I like, during those. You know, I said most of them are pretty easy, but there's one or two that just totally kicked my butt. Um, but I feel that's where I probably learned the most out of it. So some of my programming courses where you just had to sit down and do a project each week. There's no way around it but to learn um, how to actually code in, a, in an efficient and fast manner. You know, the, the ASHP informatics article that's a very great high level stuff and, and you know it teaches you a lot about how to get into informatics that all the fields that are that are kind of touched by informatics as well as some of the just general stuff there's a reporting section and that's pretty good it teaches you you know kind of things outside of your normal like learning how to get a report but he talks about git and some of the stuff on how to just manage that reporting functions and changes it on a broader aspect and so I do think that that's really useful the other nice thing about that ASHp one is it really connects it to pharmacy which isn't always super easy to find a lot of informatics things you'll go out there and you'll see some on medicine or nursing or just IT in general. Um, but actually making that connection back to pharmacy is a little bit more work. And the ASHP one is almost, you know, it's entirely focused on the pharmacy-IT connection. So that
0: was nice. Okay. Okay, cool, cool. So, you know, of all your experiences so far, you know, including your time in, in residency, what kind of like project was something that stood out to you that was very meaningful that you, it still affects how you practice today?
1: I think developing our MTM, uh, kind of identification stratification tool, that's one of the more clinical aspects I've done in data analytics and definitely something that you know, we implemented and now it's driving how we practice, uh, which is always fun when you can see those outcomes. Or it's just doing analysis, saying, you know, hey, if we do this, we'll save that much money or, or whatever it is. Actually seeing something on a day to day, how it's being used and implementing practice. And then we're able to go back and kind of tweak it a little bit, add new metrics, add new measures to kind of shift the patient population we see. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. And even with that, you know, even developing some of those tools, it also kind of helped develop measurements for outcomes. And we've been able to see kind of huge improvements in our patients and a reduction in ED visits, a reduction in rehospitalization, decreases in total cost of care to these patients because they've seen these MTM pharmacists.
0: Oh, wow. So was that able to kind of help with um, justifying more MTM services?
1: Um It kind of went together. We had a kind of change and in, increase in our insurance uh, people who are willing to cover it. And as part of that, we got a lot more patients. So it was, you know, how do we see the patients and definitely the ones we're in risk contracts with versus just ones we're paid for, you know, to see via MTM, how do we kind of manage that and make sure we're seeing all the ones in the risk contract that are likely to have issues be readmitted, be high cost patients and, and direct our MTM pharmacists to them as well as seeing some of these other patient populations. So as we were expanding our program and writing up that business proposal, we also kind of went down this path of, you know, building these algorithms and, and, and looking at them and saying that, you know, to our executives that this is how we're going to get these patients and identify them. And, you know, it's not just going to be, a, we're just going to see whoever walks through the door. We're actually going to try to target the ones that need to be seen and, and be good stewards of resources and hiring
0: these pharmacists. Oh, that's really cool. So, you know, there's a lot of students and even pharmacists out there, like I, I know you have a, the experience of going through residency, but at the same time, you didn't do an informatics residency. So there are potentially some people out there that may have done a residency PGY-1 and they want to get into informatics and uh, they don't have that experience of doing a PGY-2 informatics residency. So for those individuals, I guess the first question is for those individuals, uh, do you have any advice for them on how they can kind of navigate them towards that field?
1: Yeah, I'd say, I even mean, if you have any option to do projects, I'll try to get involved in some of the IT or informatics projects. I'm sure there's, you know, Hey, anybody any health system or organization you work with, there's uh, people who review, you know, ERX builds or that kind of stuff, order set builds. And if you can get involved in some of those, that'll at least get you experience and stuff you can put on your resume. And there's also a ton of freely available courses online that you can learn some of the more maybe intricate, you know, SQL or programming skills. So definitely take advantage of those and see if at your organization you can get involved and get access to that stuff. You know, whether it's a database that your EHR runs on, so you can get that data or even like OmniCell data or AAC data is a little smaller, a little easier to understand. Now, if you can get access to that, you can start pulling it out and, again, doing some of these projects to to build your skill set, um, to build your experience with it, and even just to get involved and kind of know how, you know, what what actually drives and what Maybe executives or or upper level management people are looking for in these projects. And then you'll be able to use that when you interview or apply for position.
0: Awesome. That's pretty good advice for those who don't have that informatics uh, residency experience. And do you have any different advice that you would give if it's someone that was coming from a completely different background? Like they are not in, you know, not in the inpatient setting, but a pharmacist currently working maybe in the managed care setting, in the, you know, community setting, things like that?
1: Um, You know, like going to organizations and just reading up about it to get a general sense of informatics. But, you know, don't ever discredit that that background you have. Uh, that makes you so strong. So like when I was going through my informatics program, going through pharmacy school and being a pharmacist was super beneficial because we'd sit down and start talking about, you know, like data polls. And we'd look at a blood pressure and everyone in just the IT or the masters would be like, what is that? And I'd be like, oh, that person's sick. They have a blood pressure of like 150 over something. You know, like we need to treat them. Um, And they just have no idea. So that really helped me. Or even in the pharmacy realm, going through that stuff. Having an IT background, it always kind of made me stand out where I was able to do things a little different than other pharmacists, which was super beneficial. So don't ever discredit that, that, that information that you gained in the previous role, the role you're working in now. Kind of try to leverage that uh, to get you forward and move you forward
0: as well. Awesome. Yeah, that was really good advice. Uh, I was wondering, too, like if people have more questions, maybe specifically for you, like uh, maybe your experiences or how your education went, uh, what's the best way that they can uh, reach out to you?
1: Uh, They can just shoot me an email. My email is uh, kent.bridgman at alina.com. I'm sure Tony will post it somewhere.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll be putting your contact info into the show notes for anyone who's interested in reaching out. But, uh, you know, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again so much for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the show. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy in and me and remember technology is a tool patient care is the goal